Now, boy, yeah. run back to the embassy, back to American soil. I'll stop them. Oh, no, it's coming back this way. That throwing stick stun of yours has boomeranged on us. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're a podcast cracks open beer and we talk about some movies. Now, we are finishing out uh, Keanu Recommends Month with the final four on his list. And again, if you're hopping in on episode four of this, of the new uh, the new year. Why? One, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Also two, why? And three, uh, the whole story behind this is that Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves were talking on the set of Matrix Resurrections. Carrie Ann Moss said, hey, Keanu, why don't you give me a few movies to watch with my teenage kids? And he gave her 18 of them. Now, we're not talking about Big Lebowski. We're not talking about Monty Python. Uh, we're not talking about Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles because we already have. See our Jeff Bridges, our Monty Python episode or Mel Brooks episode. But tonight we will be finishing it out with Raising Arizona, uh, Leon, the prof- or, um, La Femme Nikita, Leon, the professional and Road Warrior, a.k.a. Mad Max 2. Also, for anyone who's curious about our opinions on the other four movies, A, go watch the episode. But B, all three of the episodes that they're in are featured in our February of Love Month. So that should tell you something. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, um, Or four yeah. of them. Four of them are in four, our February four, four. of Love. Yes. So well, before we even get into any of that, why don't we get into what we're drinking? So Mike, what do you have? So first of all, I have to make a correction. Last week was not my first porter. I had done one porter prior. Ah. Or stout prior. Okay. And it was the seriously black stout when for Harry Potter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but this week I found an awesome new, uh, uh, newer, uh, I guess, cidery and meadery, not brewery. They don't do beer. They only do ciders and mead. Uh, it's called Armageddon Brewing. Nice. And they are in Somerdale, New Jersey, right down the road from me and Ross. Uh, awesome. awesome place. They opened in 2020, same as Dr. Brewittles, I believe, which kudos to both of them for getting a business going in the worst year to possibly get a business going. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went there. I had a flight today. Loved every cider I had. But to not have a bias, I picked out one of the ciders I did not try which is their Kusanagi Apple and Lemongrass Hard Cider. Interesting. It's an interesting yeah. combination. First taste. Yeah. Oh, it's in the uh, the punch bowl. That's really good. Um, the lemongrass has definite undertones. Like apple is definitely the dominant flavor there, which is good because if lemongrass is dominant, you might get a little too bitter. Um, but I really like it. They've... Uh, my personal favorite was they had an apple and ginger uh, cider and whiskey and ginger ales are my favorite drink to order at a bar. And that tasted like ginger ale with like apple juice. And I loved it. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, this sounds... is very good. I'm not, I, it, it's not my favorite that I tried from there, but it's still really good. Like, I don't think you could go wrong if you like ciders. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I just like the name Armageddon. It's such a cool ass name. <laughs> also, this is technically our second beer sponsor because they gave me the Crowler for free. Hey, thank <laughs> you, review. Armageddon. Nice. <laughs> You're right up there with uh with Dr. Brulittles. So uh, we look forward to having both of them. I look forward to having it too. But um, all right. So 
For me, on the other hand, I am finishing out the credit to six pack that I did the last week. Now, I probably should have paid more attention to what beers I was drinking because I kind of stacked the deck this time against me because they're a little bit higher in the alcohol, especially this first one I'm doing. Now, I happen to grab, because I love this brewery, it's Founders, which is in, I think, Grand Rapids, Michigan, so it's not exactly local for me, but um, it's Mas Agave Classica Grapefruit, which is an Imperial Gose-style ale brewed with agave and sea salt and aged in tequila barrels with added grapefruit. <laughs> What's with you and grapefruit? I think that, I feel like this is like, you've had grapefruit a couple times in the last couple weeks. <laughs> Probably, and this one has more of a grapefruit look to it. It's very much darker. But um, the second I opened it and poured it, I was like, hey, that's tequila. And uh, it's it's good. I'll give them that. It's definitely a sour. But um, just for coherency's sake, I don't know how much of it I'm going to go through for uh, for this these four movies that we're going to talk about. But um, if anything, I'll probably try to take it slow. So that said, we can get it right out of the way before I get to uh, the 9.7 hits me too hard. Because if I need to talk about Holly Hunter while I'm hammered it will only be anger and growls and snarls and things like that because i fucking hate holly hunter but <laughs> raising arizona from 1987 directed by the cullen brothers uh starring one nicholas cage uh or nick nicholas coppola i should say uh it's one of the movies we didn't talk about when it came to um cage madness we never I actually know, got around um, watching kind of for good reason i would say i am fine with this movie except for Holly Hunter and Frances McDormand, the other actress I can't fucking stand. Um, at least Frances McDormand's only in one scene, and that is far too much for her. But we do also have John Goodman, who is great, and William yeah. Forsythe, who's awesome, too. Yeah, they're the best part of the movie. In my, well, them and Nicolas Cage. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean Nick, Cage is He's tied for the greatest actor of our time with Keanu Reeves. Keanu, good job picking a movie with the other greatest actor of our time. But why'd you have to pick this one? Yeah, exactly. He's got so many other great movies. I mean, even if you wanted to go with his prestige movies, you go with Leaving Las Vegas. You yeah. know, it's Raising Arizona is, I don't know, it's it's Nick Cage and the Cullen Brothers, which are two flavors that apparently didn't go well together when they were Well, filming. I don't know if they didn't go well together because I felt like Nick Cage was perfectly Nick Cage in this movie. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the making of the movie. Apparently, uh, Nick Cage had thoughts about his character, High, and the thoughts were very different from what the Coen brothers wanted to do. So they were clashing about it, and uh, eventually it came down to the fact that, like, look, let's kind of compromise here. Maybe tone down your cageness, and we'll let you... You know, we'll we'll ease up on being directors on you for a little bit, but it was kind of like uh, two creative, stubborn creative people, you know, clashing heads a little bit. Now, this movie, who the fuck am I supposed to like in this movie? Like, who am I supposed to be rooting for? Who? Let's, Tell me. That, that's kind of the thing with Coen Brothers movies, man. You don't you don't really know who to who to root for because they're all to an extent kind of terrible people <laughs> like at the end you had me rooting for john goodman because like he's so distraught that he left the baby on the roof <laughs> yes i that scene where him and Forsyth are just screaming <laughs> and they're just yelling at the top of their lungs and then they turn around to go get the baby back and 
it's oh it that that was cracking me up that and i guess the baby is who you're supposed to be rooting for because yes. the baby's innocent in it. <laughs> nathan jr yes nathan arizona jr you're definitely supposed to uh be rooting for but yeah it's it's kind of like with uh big lebowski to name another coen brothers goodman movie goodman in that as walter he's not a great dude he's just like a lovable psycho you at know? least then i like genuinely like the characters even if they're terrible i don't right. like anyone in this <laughs> right no and you know speaking of that holly hunter this is probably the movie and now i've talked about it on our pixar episodes we talked about the incredibles i talked about my hatred for her and that because she's in that character as well she's just a shrew and I don't know how much of that's on purpose and how much of that is Holly Hunter, but every movie she's ever been in, she plays a type of this character and that fucking accent, it, it, she can shove it up her ass and go and just run away with it. I, I hate her so much. And I honestly don't, I can't fully put my finger on exactly why. I just know that her very existence pisses me off. <laughs> it's one of those situations. Whereas with Francis McDormand, I'm very much against her because she is one of those Hollywood actors that wants you to know their political opinions at all times and measures yeah. it into every conversation. It doesn't need to be in there. So I'm like, you know what? I just don't like you as a person. So I'm going to watch you in Fargo and that's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is. <That's, laughs> and like this movie in general, I'm like, all right. So our main characters are kidnappers who seem to think that, oh, they had how they had way too many kids we can have one right yeah um, just just let's just nab one they'll never know <laughs> we also might have the most annoying characters that were related ever put to screen when his boss's family shows up and i just want to kick all of them like right in the fucking teeth especially the children the children in that scene deserve a kick in the teeth <laughs> they're just fucking feral animals that's all they are and I think it's what Sam McNally is the actor that plays um, Francis's wife, uh, Francis's husband. Is that the guy? He's been in everything. And I recently just, yeah, Sam McMurray, I'm sorry. And I recently just, we were watching uh, Adam's Family Values where he plays, um, he plays the, uh, the snobby bitch's um, uh, parent, his dad, her dad from yeah. the summer camp. And um, yeah, he's got just, just the simple fact that I'm sure in 1987, the Polish jokes were like, I'm sure they were knockout, dragged out, like, you know, just laugh riots. You know, you say a Polish joke, everyone loved it. You know, it was like blonde jokes. It's like, wow, these are fucking hilarious, aren't they? And like, my reaction was exactly Nick Cage's. You know, it's just yeah. one of those dead face, like, am I supposed to be laughing at this? You know, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about and why? <laughs> you know? And then, of course, when he blows it all for him anyway, you know, it's, it's like, look, asshole, you know, <laughs> just because I didn't, whatever, didn't want to go into business with you or whatever the fuck it was he was trying to pitch to Nick Cage. It's like, you have to blow up my life? No, I don't think so. That's what he, uh, he was uh, saying that him and his wife were swingers. Yeah, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that a thought so revolting to me <laughs> that i immediately blocked it out of my mind like oh francis mcdormand huh yep never get an erection again <laughs> that, uh, so there's not out so nick cage and john goodman and forsyth 
yes. are all reasonably likable in their roles. And they all do what they can to make this movie tolerable. But overall, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. If you want Nick Cage-ness, go watch uh, Vampire. If you want... <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just go watch uh, Vampire's Kiss. Yes. If you want Coen Brothers at their best, go watch The Big Lebowski. If you want John Goodman at his best, go watch The Big Lebowski. Or even I Coen mean, Brothers like Fargo. Like, watch Fargo. You know, it's, it's a much... It's a similar crime story, just as convoluted, but still very done so much better. So much like better. There's not, like, I want to gush about Nick Cage, but this movie pisses me off to the point where I have a hard time gushing about a man that should be gushed about. Right. It's it's almost as if his great performance is overshadowed by everyone else being completely horrible, you know? No, give me, give me a buddy crime comedy with Nick Cage, Forsyth, and John Goodman, and I am right there. I want that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, the beginning of the movie where he yeah. can't stop going to jail because every time yeah. he gets out, he keeps knocking over convenience stores and goes back to, like, the little group that they have. Like, yes. <laughs> I, want, I want a Nicolas Cage kleptomaniac movie. <laughs> Absolutely. And I definitely want to see because the dynamic between Goodman, Forsyth, and Cage is so weird because Goodman and Forsyth, I think, are brothers. I think they're supposed to be brothers. I think so, too. And just the way that one of them's like, quote, the quote unquote brain, which is Goodman, the other one's like the quote unquote, you know, soft, likable idiot, you know, that's Forsyth. But they also kind of had this weird blackmail relationship with Nick Cage as well. Because, like, he doesn't want them to know how the, they got the kid because he knows that they're going to try to screw him over somehow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or even have, like, almost a Sherlock Holmes, Professor Moriarty situation, but with idiots. <laughs> yes, yes, something like that. Now, my, now, Goodman does, of course, have my favorite line of the movie, which is when uh, Hunter asks him how he got out, and he goes, we released ourselves on our own recognizance. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what a great way to say you escaped from prison in a Shawshank Redemption type of way. Or give me, give me Shawshank Redemption with those two in prison. It would have been a better movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> Wait, this would have been better or Shawshank would have been better? This would have been better. Oh, okay. I was going to say, wow, I was like, a lot of people might start, you know, absolutely no, 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 no. Shawshank's us. a masterpiece. But give me, give me John Goodman and Forsyth screwing with Clancy Brown, and that's a movie I want to watch. <laughs> Dude, some Clancy Brown in this would have been great. Now, on the other hand, we do have a true quote-unquote villain in this, played by Randall Tex Cobb as, what's his name, Leonard Small, I think it is what it is. Now, most people may not know Randall Tex Cobb. He was a former boxer, I believe, former football player. He's probably most famous as an actor for being an Ace Ventura, and I think he's in Naked, the first Naked Gun. No, the third Naked. He's in Naked Gun 3, or 33 and a third. Now, I, his voice, you always hear, and especially in those two movies, as this very gruff, like kind of just growling. That's all the dude did. But in this movie, when he actually starts to talk, and it's this very like soft-spoken, just very easygoing kind of voice, but it's coming out of someone who looks like they stepped out of the Road Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and it is absolutely unnerving. But yet, it's still really good. I was like, holy shit. 
how did they pull a performance out of this guy like this? But then I read the next piece of trivia about this movie, which was apparently you, if you have Randall Tice Cobb in your movie, you just let him go. Because <laughs> apparently that guy was basically this character's, but you know, a real human being. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's like he's the biker no from hell. If he's the biker from hell, fine. <laughs> right. It's like, but would you say no to him? Because I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> There's no way in hell. <laughs> and he is still alive, too. So we could very well try to reach out to that man and see what he's like in real life. <laughs> That's true. He might answer. <laughs> he probably would. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Is he doing anything recently? I don't know. I don't I doubt it. You know, he's probably uh, uh 2001 at the yep. very most recent Walter yeah, Texas well, Ranger. Well, those might have been uh yeah, those were uh, those were 1998 to 2001 episodes. Yeah, so that was the last thing he did. He might have just retired from acting and gone to be a uh just a gruff gentleman out in the world you know but, yeah, i'm uh, gonna tag him in this post and hope that he reaches out and wants to come on the podcast just the very idea of randall tyskov having an instagram account is kind of <laughs> hilarious to me <laughs> what like is maybe that man posting maybe about? tag him on facebook he might have facebook <laughs> <But> still <laughs> even better what's he posting on there that's that's a, that's the wild west nowadays <laughs> but all right, so we might as well just cut to the chase on this one. Do we agree with Keanu? No. No. No, we don't. This is a this flat out. This is the out. first outright no. no yeah, just me. disagree, sir. Better Cage, better Goodman, better Cohen. You know, there's so many better movies you could have picked. There's at least, so every other movie he's put out there, I could find at least a crowd to recommend it to. Like, yeah. I don't think I'd recommend them to everybody, but there's at least someone in the world that i'm like hey that guy's fucked up enough to like this yep. but raising arizona no now this is one of those movies where it's like people that are like movie snobs will look at it and go this is one of the greatest movies ever made and you'll be like why and they can't tell you they'll just say oh it's the second coen brothers movie after blood simple it's like well yeah that doesn't mean anything <laughs> you know <laughs> what, what does that mean you know <laughs> but no, I, again, I, I agree with my completely disagree with Keanu on this one. Can't, can't, can't recommend this movie to anyone. Spoiler alert, it's the only one on the list that I can't recommend to anyone. To, yeah, to flat out anyone. There, there have been others where we are like, yeah. well, maybe we don't agree with that recommendation. Yeah, Bad Match is people. the only other one where I'm like, this is a bad movie, but I at least have some people that might enjoy it. Right. So, oh, also, now that I'm looking at my notes, this is also the second movie this week, or the first, though, since we're talking about it first, where um, the bad guy is defeated by a secret grenade pin pull. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a couple movies. But, um, all right, Mike, so how's your cider down? Doing good. We went through that movie pretty quick, so I'm not that far done this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because this isn't a crowler, so I can't tell you how good it would be in a snake fight. You know, I like to do that with ciders. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I, I actually, right before the episode, I was looking around to see if I had any leftover lagers to do, like, half of this, like, plain and then half of it as a snake fight. I did not have any lagers. But um, I really like Armageddon. Again, like, this is a great cider. They have others there that I like more than this, but this one's still really good. Nice. Yeah, and my uh, Masagave Classica grapefruit from Founders is uh, it's pretty good. I've I've gone through about half of it faster than I want to, so I might uh, might bail on this one in a couple minutes and then grab something else. But uh, it's it's good. Like if 
if I were into heavy alcohol, like high alcohol, sour, sours, like I'm fine with sours, but I usually like them to be a little bit less on the alcohol side. This would probably be great. Like this is probably be on the top of my list, but it's very grapefruit forward and sour forward. Does have a little bit of that teeth peeling action going on. But um, so why don't we dive into the first of the Luc Besson hitman movies uh, or hit woman in this case. Uh, La Femme Nikita, the French version. Now, some people might also know Point of No Return, which was the American remake of it with um, Bridget Fonda, I think it was. Uh, this is from 1990, directed by, like I said, Luc Besson. And um, this is an interesting one. <laughs> so, like, I, again, I don't, I, the action in it's pretty sick. Um, there I are some great action per- sequences, yeah. I thought the main performances were good. I know. Uh, some people might be deterred by having to read subtitles. I'm not one of those people. I'm fine with movies being in another language. And as far as an action flick hitman movie went, or hit woman movie, I liked it. I'm happy I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing with this movie that I had a weird time coming to terms with was that this is apparently a secret assassin organization that picks up you know, rando derelicts or whatever, criminals, whoever, trains them to be hit people. Now, what they do with uh, Marie in this case, uh, or a.k.a. Josephine, as they give her code name, they train her up, have her do her first hit, which is a pretty cool hit in a, a restaurant where she thinks she's just going out to dinner and ends up she has to assassinate a bunch of people and it's just crazy shootout. It's pretty awesome. But then they just kind of release her into the world with plans of calling her one day, and that's they just give her a name. They're just yeah. like, here, your name's Josephine, figure it out. <laughs> there is no backstory given to this girl. There is no character. There's no tradecraft. None of it created. And it's a major problem because of the fiance she eventually gets. And the he, like, straight up off the bat, it's like, why don't you ever bring anyone over? Why don't you have any friends? Why don't I know anyone in your life? <laughs> it's like, well, don't ask questions. Okay, red flag. <laughs> Giant red flag. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, it's almost, they almost MK'd Ultra, this girl. Like, if they just gave her some acid, a little scary situation, wipe clean the, uh, wipe clean the ego so that they could just implant a new personality on her, they, they might as well have done that. It might have made the movie a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, I just, it was weird because... The whole point of this movie is to get her from being this like drugged out, you know, just anarchist essentially mm-hmm. to being a quote unquote functioning member of this assassin group. And one of the main things that they teach her is, you know, etiquette and looking like sexual and all that and being like a honeypot, but yet they don't give her any like acting lessons or anything you know it's like how to play this character because she's not this character all it is is here's this old broad who used to be one of you she's going to make you look pretty and then maybe teach you a couple things about where you know where your bread plate is and then that's that we're just gonna let you go we're gonna have you figure it out then when we trigger you john wick training we're not no hand to hand (laughs) which the hand-to-hand stuff, like the martial arts training, was cracking me up yeah. because, like, the trainer, he's got the the martial arts gain, all that. He gets ready. He's like, "All right, now try to hit me," and she just bitch slaps him, <laughs> knocks him on the ground. <laughs> it's That's, like, well, that was easier than it should have been. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's the training sequence is kind of it. Like with this movie, I don't know if it makes it better or like you almost want her to be a Jason Bourne-esque like super assassin. That's what I was thinking. Like when they when she gets a phone call and it says Josephine, like something yeah. clicks and she goes into a different personality. Like a sleeper agent type. Of yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah. But I don't know if that would have made the movie better or worse because I like her character. It just narratively doesn't work that well. Like it doesn't make as much sense narratively. Not that it doesn't work as much. Yeah, it was. But then, <laughs> then there was then there was my favorite part of it. Um, how do you know this movie was made in 1990, 1990? Like when she's learning quote unquote computers and what yeah. he's teaching her is MS Paint. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wow, <laughs> what possible world or situation would she need to know that to be an assassin? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I almost <laughs> imagine her that if this movie was made, what, six years later, you could have had uh, what's his name from Hackers Teacher Computers. <laughs> yes. Could have had zero cool in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, Revenge. That was, right. <laughs> the phantom freak is showing her how to uh how to paint do like they get into an epic rollerblade battle <laughs> right just make her do like yeah it's something like that where uh, angelina jolie teaches her how to wear like rash guards <laughs> to be sexy and then infiltrate you high need school. leather skirts <laughs> Right, right. She teaches her how to pull the uh the pulls on the roof prank, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that would that would actually be great if we turn into that. It's like tra- if you make hackers like some uh, secret society of hackers that uh, have to recruit people, <laughs> and that's one of the loyalty tests. <laughs> Do you believe in the pool on the roof? And you get stuck up there for days. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't kill everyone else that's up there, you you fail. <laughs> All the other nerds Hackers X Nikita, let's get this going. <laughs> La Femme Hackers. <laughs> that would be great. Just Power Man 5000 soundtrack the whole time. Oh, yeah. Uh, the entire movie is just a Power Man 5000 music video. That's right. all it is. Just it's do, just, just an excuse to bring back Power Man 5000 and have them produce about an hour and a half worth of music. <laughs> That'd be great. Like, I probably the last time we mentioned them, I, I think I said it, but and I think Ray actually mentioned it as well. They're still touring. Like, they're yeah. still playing somewhere. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> I'd go. I would go to a show. I kind of, at, at this point, absolutely. I'd be there. <laughs> just to support Spider-One. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rob gets all the credit, for those who don't know. Power Man 5000's lead singer, Spider-One, is Rob Zombie's brother. But um, yeah. Well, speaking of rock bands and heavy metal, in this um, in her little cell or room or whatever, or dorm or whatever you want to call it, she's got a pretty prominent poster right above her bed, and it's Metallica. <laughs> you know, it's 1990 Metallica. And of course, how else would we know that she was into heavy metal music if she didn't spray paint the word rock everywhere on her, on her wall? <laughs> How else would you know? I I don't I don't know of any other way to put it. That's the only way I can think of making it. <laughs> but then of course there's Checky Cario, who is her like um uh handler, I guess you'd call him. He's pretty great, although the problem is he's very stone-faced. 
Like he doesn't have a lot of emotions other than a slight smile when she kicks the martial arts guy's ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, that that guy. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> but, but I mean, look, like overall, so I don't have a ton to say about this movie, but I think the action sequences are pretty sick. I think the acting's fine. And I think the direction's fine. So that's um, well, that's the thing. It's it's Luke Besson. So you get a lot of very creative stylistic choices when it comes to framing shots. Like the opening scene of her and her little gang robbing the pharmacy, that whole scene is shot really well and really like uniquely. Like you don't really, you don't really know, like not a lot of directors are going to be, are shooting a scene like that. And especially when uh, French David Thewlis comes out and starts shooting, you know, (laughs) but my favorite part was everyone's dead. Everyone is dead. And she's like just underneath the uh, underneath the table. She's got I think she has headphones on. So it's one of those situations where it's like headphones obscure everything. Yeah. And the cop sits down and like kneels down next to her, pulls her headphones off. And she turns and she goes, is everyone is like, is everyone gone? And he does one of these like, yeah, I'm sorry. And she just pulls a gun out and blows his head off. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That is not how I pictured this scene ending. <laughs> but it's it's a very, like, Luc Besson way of ending that scene, you know? Yeah. And it's it's kind of crazy to watch to know that this guy did this, then Leon the Professional and Fifth Element, and then somehow did Valerian the City of a Thousand Planets. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, that's why I had so much hope for Valerian in the City right. of a Thousand Planets. It's like, how did we get there? <laughs> he also did Lucy, which is like... Another, like, some of the action sequences are fine, but the movie overall is pretty terrible. The movie is not good. And Scarlett Johansson has, it's weird. When you watch that movie and you watch her face, there's a lot of times where she has to do, like, this dead-eyed stare. And she has a weird, like, walleye thing going on. Like, her eyes aren't looking in the same direction. And it's like, wait, does... Scarlett Johansson have a lazy eye she's been hiding forever? Or is that like a Bill Skarsgård thing where she can make her eye just wander, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But if I was, this is probably my third favorite movie directed by Luc Besson. Okay, what are the other two? Fifth Element and Professional? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably accurate. He hasn't done a lot of, uh, hasn't done a lot of other big movies, really. I mean... Nothing that's really sticking out in my mind, but did wait, did he he didn't do he wasn't involved in that um the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk, was he? That was somebody else, wasn't it? I don't it? think so, no. Yeah, that was somebody else. It's some other French guy. But um, but yeah, this he's he's fine. He's a very particular director. Like he does have a certain style, which is good. But then there's also, and we'll talk about it with the professional, there's He's one of those people that's like in real life, it's like, oh, oh no, you're a creep, aren't you? Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> but um, all right. So Mike, do we agree with Keanu on this one? Yeah, yeah, I would generally like as long as you don't mind uh subtitles, I'd recommend this movie to you. Yeah, I mean, if you if you mind subtitles, come on, what are we doing? Really? Like can't read. What's going why, on? why are you hiding the fact that are you just upset you can't read fast? Right. It's like, what are we doing? What's, what's going on here? And it's like, is the real fact that you're just mad you don't speak French? Is that what it is? I mean, 
but yeah i, I well agree. you have a fifth grade reading level and a fourth grade reading speed right exactly <laughs> but yeah this is this is as i agree with Keanu. This, this is a good recommendation just because it's it's good with all the other movies that he's had it's good to throw this kind of movie in there because it's a foreign film it's a different director it's got a different style it's not american with some french in it it's french full on and it's got a lot of like the ending even of it is a very like ambiguous ending and no one really wins except nikita well or marie aka josephine you know now if i had to pick a french movie to recommend it would be the intouchables not untouchables intouchables that's french i thought that was like a bollywood movie it's french it's french because yeah. I think uh, then there's one there's I think it's um oh what is it it's it's a horror movie it's high tension it's not high tension but it's like French for high tension I think is what it is mm-hmm. I think that's the title of high it. tension high tension hot <laughs> tension <laughs> but um yeah it's it's that's a good it's got this weird twist to it it's not weird but it's once the ten once the twist happens you're like. Okay, there's a couple scenes that don't make any sense now. <laughs> yeah. But and yes, it's um yes, it's high tension is what it's called. And it's directed by Alexand- Alexandre Aja. And it's uh yes, Alexandre Aja. It's, uh, Aja. Huh? But it's oh, it's it's very I will go smoke it, my cigarette. Right. Here's a baguette. Yeah, did you notice the one thing that Jackie Cario brings over for dinner is a big ass bottle of wine and a baguette. It's like <laughs> That's how so French, French is this movie. <laughs> right, how very French of you. It's like, why don't you just throw a pack of cigarettes in his face and be wearing one? It's like an Italian bringing over just meatballs and pasta. Right. <laughs> yeah, you just walk around holding those things. And a soccer ball. <laughs> You're always kicking a soccer ball. It's but, like a Brit bringing over just some not great fish. <laughs> right, yeah. You're always trying to debone a Branzino. But, um, all right, so Mike, how's your cider? Still good? I am doing good. Uh, about halfway done my crowler now. Nice. And nice. I I loved Armageddon. Everything about the place was awesome. Cool. Yeah, all right. So I have moved away from the founders, and I have gone on to um, – it's from Heavy Seas Beer, which is in Baltimore. And uh, it's Jimmy Truffel or Jimmy Truffles. So I guess that goes with uh, the French aspect of, the, of this movie. And uh, it's – called i think it's just their desert stout or maybe it's the jimmy truffle desert stout or dessert stout but it's um it's a very smooth stout but it's also eight percent so it's like god damn it i'm only, <laughs> I'm only taking baby steps down but oh uh, mine's still pretty good mine's 6.9 percent, which is a little high for a cider that's very high for a cider so i was usually like 5.5 and that's about it but i had the one i had earlier the ginger one was eight percent nice well, I guess if that's like your whole thing, doing ciders, you're probably yeah. going to have a wide variety. But um, all right. So now let's move on to the other Luc Besson hit movie and uh, probably the one that's a little more known because of uh, the cast. And it's uh, yeah. Leon the Professional or Leon the Professional 1994 starring for the first time ever one Natalie Portman. And uh, of course, Jean Renou is... Uh, He's uh, Leon. And, and um, we've got my a guy I cannot praise enough. 
Gary Oldman. A little known actor named Gary Oldman. In- Even if he's playing a murderous agent who kills an entire family, including a four-year-old. Which I will say, well, technically he doesn't kill him. (laughs) One of his goons does. But I will go on a limb and say, this is his best performance. I love this performance. Oh, it's up there. It's up there. So good, especially everyone's favorite Gary Oldman meme of when he screams everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. And apparently that was like a joke take too. He told the sound guy to take his ear, his headphones off because he's going to scream it at the top of his lungs. And Luke Besson left it in. It was like, you know what? That's the one. <laughs> Why didn't we do this before? But you know, are you telling me? Are you telling me? You like this performance better than Lord Shen from Kung Fu Panda 2? Yes. <laughs> I can confidently say yes. <laughs> yes, I do. And, of course, my wife. I'm surprised she, I haven't, she hasn't thrown something at me from the other room. Of course, Severus Snape. You know, not Severus Snape. Um, Sirius Black. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's... I definitely... I would go with this. This this, and even his other performance of Luke on when he's... um, What is it? The governor or whatever in Fifth Element? Whatever yeah. he is in that? That's a great I don't one. Know, I'm actually... Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is up there for me. He is, he's very good. But that's the thing, though. When you look at Gary Oldman, even the little characters he plays are great. <laughs> like, even Drexel in True Romance is fucking great. Just for how perfect it is of a white guy trying to be black, you know, and how stupid that guy would be. He's just good. Like, he's so good. He's good. Even in like the hitman's bodyguard, when he's the villain in that and completely like not half-assing it, he's like a quarter-assing it in that movie, and he's still a good. Assing it. <laughs> right. And he's still good, but the real part of this movie that I, I focused on and it happened immediately and it took me out of the movie for a while till the very end when it super took me out of the movie because I was back in then it kicked me back out again at the end Natalie Portman's character okay she's what would we have 10 12 she's 12 I think maybe 11 yeah. she 12. apparently left a uh, private school in Wildwood New Jersey now if anyone's not familiar with where Wildwood is, it's at the Jersey Shore and it's at the southern end of the state. It's like the only shore north of Cape May, this southernmost point. Right. Now, apparently, this movie takes place in Manhattan, yes? Yeah. She walks from Manhattan to Wildwood, New Jersey in the span of five hours, maybe? <laughs> Which is a 12-hour bike ride <laughs> let alone i don't even know how long that would be to walk because i don't think That's, you can it's do not it directly an, it's not even an easy train or bus ride there's no. not a good route from wildwood to new no. york on the train or the bus because i got history i have a lot of experience taking the train from southern new jersey to new york the only easy route is trenton to new york wildwood ain't in that route Um, Now, there is a shore route, but that goes about from Red Bank down to Belmar. Now, driving, Belmar is about an hour and a half north of Wildwood. (laughs) Yeah, and Belmar is about how far from Red Bank? Okay, are we talking Belmar with a W or Belmar no W? No W. So, okay, so that's a lot closer to Red Bank. Yeah. Yeah. But... 
even that it's like Red Bank is in the middle of the state. If you're looking at New Jersey, it's in that weird joint that's right there, like sticking off the middle of our state. But Manhattan is above that, you know, right off of kind of like the middle of the other point of the top part of the state. But still, there's no feasible way to walk from Manhattan to Wildwood without ending up on the, the, the fucking turnpike or the expressway or something like that. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe she has divine powers walked across the, like, she walked straight from Manhattan to Sandy Hook. <laughs> Over the water. <laughs> Over the water. <laughs> Over the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> or perhaps she made friends with some, like, great white sharks, hooked them up to her feet, and rode them. <laughs> Choosing dolphins, uh, dolphin sandals, or something. I like the idea of great white sharks better. I don't know why that's funnier to me. A 12 year old girl strolling up on a great white and asking it to be a shoe. (laughs) And the great white just going, like, this little girl, she's. She's not to be messed with. I think ballsy. we should listen to her. Ballsy. And she's carrying a house plant. This is fucking ballsy. I think we should definitely listen to her. <laughs> but, but yeah. So like when I heard that, I was like, okay, maybe someone, whoever wrote this was like, Wildwood sounds like a place that's in, that's somewhere would have things, but also a private school in Wildwood. No, come on. <laughs> that's- Wildwood is on. So like on a scale. So on a scale of, uh, let's go like. Good to bad. It's Mob, completely uh, hideous. Mammoth <laughs> Beach to Atlantic City. Wildwood's only like two, one or two steps above Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whoo, having any kind of private school there that's not a prison is very unbelievable. And this Wildwood is a movie. Wildwood is where drunken high school students go to rent houses after their prom. It's right. not a private school area. Yeah, and not clean up after themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. And it's not just the, it's I know. Not just the hotel I room they fuck up. I was 18. <laughs> right, and it's not just the hotel room they fuck up either. It's the entire town. But... And that's the thing. This is that this is the least believable thing in a movie where a 11 year old wants to become a hit girl. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? No one can fact check this. No one could make it Asbury Park or something where it would at least Asbury Park would have been that believable. But still, it's at least a much shorter drive and you can feasibly take a boat to it, you know? Give me like Red Bank, right? I feel like Red Bank is the best option here. It's insane. Well, but because Jersey Kevin City. Smith had only just recently made Clerks, I'm not sure which came out first in 1994, Clerks or this. Uh, yes, well, that's a good question. I mean. But I guess Red Bank wasn't seen as a New Jersey town until Red, until Kevin Smith made Clerks. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, if Kevin Smith had never made Clerks, no one would know that Red Bank exists. I mean, it's no, just Red Bank fact. wouldn't exist. It, it wouldn't. only came into existence once Kevin Smith made Clerks. <laughs> it was birthed by Kevin Smith and Clerks. All of a sudden, everyone started to live there. Okay, so Clerks was November 9th of 1994. And then we will look up Leon the Professional, which, um, again... Of course, you know, owes it owes a debt to um Kevin Smith because had not he not created oh the next week, oh. <laughs> November 18th. So yeah. So the word was not spread about Red Bank yet. Like no, no one no. Like, no one was like, hey, 
this little town with a lot of private Catholic schools just popped up. Maybe have your maybe have your main character go there. There, no, the word wasn't spread yet. It had only been born a week ago. So yeah, okay, it's yeah. understandable. Yeah, they didn't even have like laws yet. <laughs> no, no one saw clerks in that week. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely didn't. Yeah, so we're uh, we're good. But yeah, I mean, but about like the actual story and the performance in this movie, Natalie Portman is great. She's yeah, she's, she's really great. I mean, awesome. There, there are a lot of times where I'm not a fan of Natalie Portman and like her performances, and sometimes and her... this movie makes me very disappointed about her future performances because I'm like, you could do that at like yeah, what twelve. <laughs> what the fuck happened here? You know, but it's she's another one where it's like some of the shit I've read, like I've seen her say in interviews and all that. It's like, really? Do you even enjoy being an actress? <laughs> you know, it's like, do you even care? Maybe it's because she did this. And knocked it out of the park right away. It's kind of like uh, what Anna Paquin or Kirsten Dunst, like winning yeah. Oscars, their first performances. It's like, well, what do we do from here? Uh, I don't know. Fucking Spider Man's girlfriend and True Blood, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but she's like, what do we do from here? Uh, v for Vendetta and a lot of pirate movies. <laughs> a lot. Just a lot. Like, and, at uh, least too, too many. At least. <laughs> <laughs> but. That's not, just, I'm not trashing the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, she was movie. She was in it. You're thinking Kira Knightley. Oh fuck! I will. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'm getting mixed up because Kira Knightley played Natalie Portman's uh, in, double in, in Star Wars in the Clone Wars or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck! She, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go be in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> Yeah, it's like at least I'll make billions off of that if I make my. But I my, got the V for my contract part right. Right. Yes, it's like I just need to word my contract right so I can make millions off of the movie that well is also terrible and I will be also, where I could where I once was a twelve year old in love with an old man. I now am a sixteen year old that a twelve year old falls in love with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of a lot of weird math in that movie, <laughs> but at least in this one, it's like. It's it's a father daughter relationship for yeah. the most part, or even a a young girl, sort of not quite special needs, but man child sort of yeah. like when he's not killing people, he's very much a childlike guy. Yeah, you know, but uneducated, right? Educated in murder, but nothing, yeah. nothing much else. But um, which my absolute favorite scene in this movie is where she knocks on the door, he, and she's like, "I'm just a young girl. It's scary out here." He's like, "Okay," opens the door. Uh, Leon opens, hits the chain lock, and they go in. And he's like teaching her. He's like, "No, you got to go higher with your second shot." Right, right. We want to hit. We want to hit the heart or the lungs with the second shot. Right. And the guy sitting here like, "What the fuck is going on? I've been shot twice." <laughs> right. <laughs> I I enjoy the um the sniper scene when they're oh, yeah. working the sniper rifle and they she picks the one guy and then he gets shot and he's on the ground all that and he's like, "What? What? I'm, I think I'm fine. I think I'm okay." It's like, and she's like, "Can we use real bullets now?" He's like, "No, no, not this time. Let's go." <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> holy shit <laughs> it's like she was pretty quick to pull that trigger too yeah. <laughs> this is kind of scary that guy had well, I mean, bodyguards she's a total child sociopath because outside yeah. of her little brother she's going she's ready to kill some fucking pigeons she's oh yeah she loves transformers though so that's oh yeah that's a little redeeming it, it's <laughs> well it's interesting how 
much Transformers does for the plot. Yeah, yeah, it kind of it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> like, how yeah. often is turning on the TV to a Transformers cartoon saving your ass? Right, exactly. It happens, I think, twice in this movie. I believe it is you, twice. Which yeah. might not seem like a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah, to quote the, the meme. <laughs> the first time it's fine, but yeah, twice is odd. But um, <laughs> like, if, if it, for every time this happened, I had a nickel, I'd have two nickels, which might not seem like a lot, but when you think about it, it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, then there's uh, there. Okay. Now everyone knows if, if you've seen this movie, you're very familiar with how awkward and creepy two scenes are. One of which is the dress scene. And the other, which is the dressing up scene, which when she starts off as Marilyn Monroe and or no, she starts as Madonna singing like a virgin. And then she goes to Marilyn Monroe doing the happy birthday bit. It's like, okay, this is fucking weird. But then especially when you know that JFK fucked Marilyn Monroe. Okay, yeah, there's that. But there's also the real life story of Luke Basson dating a child, essentially. Yeah. the first blonde girl that we see, the blonde prostitute girl in the beginning with the uh, the big fat guy, the first guy that Leon goes to, you know, put the hit on or whatever. That girl was, that actress was like Luke Besson's mm-hmm. girlfriend for a while. And uh, I don't remember the exact ages, but I know it definitely wouldn't have been kosher. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a lot of, a lot of what's going on here. Um, is this cool in France? <laughs> um, I don't I don't think this works here, sir. <laughs> but he apparently wrote this movie as if that were the story, you know, like he worked his own story into this movie. It's like, oh man, <laughs> come on, Mr. Polanski. Did you have to talk to this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it a French director thing? What's going on here? <laughs> but yeah, so like when you see that you're like oh no and but then you hear like natalie portman's parents were like look because she smokes in this movie they were like look she's gone she can only smoke in certain ways in certain scenes and she has to quit smoking by the end of the movie i was like okay i get it but you don't have a problem with the fact that they're alluding to a grown man fucking her you know what is going on here fucking child actor parents fuck you know it's like jesus christ you people are monsters yes of course that's all hearsay with natalie portman's parents in case they anyone hears this we don't know the actual story but it's questionable what they were actually uh concerned about this movie yeah yeah but so to get away from that part of it, this is also now movie number two this week where the bad guy is defeated by a grenade pole, a grenade pin pole. Oh, shit. And this one is great because it takes out like a city block. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, not yeah, it's just like one eight guy. grenades. It's like eight <laughs> grenades. Right. Yeah, he does the whole like, he's like, and he gives, he like hands on to him. He's like, this is a present. <laughs> you know, it's like, from Matilda. From Matilda. It's like, Oh no, shit. Yeah, oh right. shit. Right. And then when they do like it's like the beginning of Die Hard with a Vengeance when the whole store completely blows up and goes nuts. I was like, whoa. <laughs> They're using a mop for that one. <laughs> so I would consider this one of my favorite movies that I don't enjoy watching. 
Yeah, yeah. It's if Oldman weren't in it, it would be unwatchable. It would be very, very difficult to get through. Like not very even, difficult. Not because it's a like a bad movie. Like it's not like, oh, this is making me cringe so much necessarily. It's more like a oh, this is really depressing. <laughs> it's depressing and also like the just the general tone of it. You're like, is this a hitman movie? Is this a buddy movie? Is this a surrogate father movie? Is this an older guy fucking a child movie? Yeah. Is this what is this? You know, it's all of these things can't exist together, and they yet they do. But the one and thing Gary I'm thinking Oldman about makes it work. <laughs> but Gary Oldman is the part that makes you not think about the rest, and you're like, oh my god, because when he goes off in the beginning and shoots the guy that accidentally shoots him. And he yeah. shoots him like a million times and then goes to reload the gun. And the guy's like, what are you doing? He's dead. He's like, but he ruined my suit. <laughs> it's like, it's such a great delivery and such a great way to be like, this character is on fucking hinged. <laughs> He's not shooting because he got shot. He's shooting because he ruined a suit. <laughs> so, yeah, I... It's definitely a movie that can be hard, like, for a lot of scenes, it's hard to watch. They mix in some comedy, which I, like, the scene I said, where the guy is literally, like, he got shot. He's like, no, you have to go higher to kill him, but you don't want to hit the face. And we're right. like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I've been shot twice. Why are right. you giving a lesson right now? <laughs> right. And then, of course, there's the, the whole reason that you check into the one hotel and the guys under that is that she's practicing to go to Juilliard and using a violin or whatever. And he's mm -hmm. her teacher or some shit or her dad or something like that. Yeah. And then she does the whole talking to the, the, the guy at the front desk clerk. She, she does the whole, oh, he's not my father. He's not just my father. He's also my lover. And she yeah. just like walks out. Of course, that dude calls the cops, you know, and shows up. He's like, look, we got to talk. You got to get the fuck out, you know? Not okay, child services is here, they're coming to take you and they're coming to throw him in jail. <laughs> you know, it's okay, yeah. just get out before a guy talk to the cops more than I, I want to. Yeah, but yeah, again, it's it's a great performance by Portman, but it's almost like, does it need to be this performance? You know, she's clearly a great little actress, like great little mm -hmm. child actress. You know, does did it have to be this? Like the one scene where the first thing where she stands, she passes by the bloodbath that is her family. And she just goes right by actually that I don't even live there. I live at the end of this hallway and she rings the doorbell and she starts crying. She's saying, please open the door like that. And it's, you can tell like this girl is acting her fucking brains out. Now, what part of me wants the star Wars prequels where you got queen Amidala who's secretly a fucking assassin who could literally like fuck you book of boba fett give me queen amidala taking out some motherfuckers right yeah considering boba fett ain't taking shit out of that in that show i mean granted i'm somehow enjoying that show but boba fett needs to be more of a badass than he is the the passive doormat that happens to have badasses that he's telling not to kill people next to him but anyway <laughs> so what do you say do we recommend this movie yeah absolutely yeah absolutely it's uh it's a classic it's a tough like mike said it's a tough watch but it's 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 an awkward watch too if you're watching it with carrie i'm also with her teenage kids yeah. a little awkward maybe you focus more on the acting <laughs> a 
Well, it's even more awkward. So, like, if you if it was teenage daughters watching it with her dad, that would be more awkward to me oh, than God. teenage sons yeah. watching it with that their would, mom. <laughs> that would be the worst. Like, there there have been a couple movies where I'm like, yeah, I'd do better with this with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's like, ooh. Maybe you start focusing more on um how exactly she walked from Manhattan to Wildwood. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what you have like, to do. I'm mapping out the route, and this shit makes less sense than the one from Rocky, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this shit isn't happening. But, all right, so, Mike, how is your uh, cider? I am just about done, Mike Crowler. Again, I can't recommend Armageddon enough. Like, I really appreciate them. Uh, giving me this crowler to review. I really love their ciders. Kusanagi, high recommendation. Um, really, any of their ciders. So now this is the sixth one I've tried because I got a flight there. And this is probably about middle of the pack of the ones I've tried. Um, but they have some that I'm like really, really high. And then at the lowest, I'm like, that was decent. I'm not sure I'd order it again. Yeah. Did they have like different, they had a lot of different flavors cider? Oh yeah, so like the flight I got, I got a blackberry, I got a cherry, I got a peach, and I got like almost a more wine one. Uh, a wine one? Yeah, it kind of, I, I forget what it was called, but it reminded me of wine, kind of. Oh, okay. And, uh, alright, so my, uh, my desert uh, dessert stout was really good by uh, sorry well, I put the can away. <laughs> by my so I put the can away sorry my heavy seas beard uh, the dessert stout was really good now and I didn't even notice I probably should have had this one while we just talked about the last movie we were talking about um, all right so I'm on my third beer and it is from Mud Hen Brewing Company and it's uh, 1883 IPA. It's uh, six point seven alcohol. It's 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 a straight up IPA. It's just a good IPA. Now, of course, I didn't realize where this place was. Mud Hen Brewing Company is in Wildwood, New Jersey. <laughs> so I should have uh, probably thought about that. Maybe they can figure out a way to get from Wildwood and their brewery up to Manhattan by walking with a house plant. But that is for a conversation we will have with them later. So it's good, straight up IPA. Now into the final movie, The Road Warrior, a.k.a. Mad Max 2, a.k.a. George Miller's movie. That is... You want to get out of here? You talk to me. <laughs> right. You talk to me. And it, it, it's, it's essentially the template for every post-apocalyptic movie to come after it. I mean, there isn't a single post-apocalyptic movie I can, I can think of that doesn't owe something to the road warrior <laughs> now i'm gonna ask you a question disregard rocky four for a second i know it's hard to do outside of rocky four has any movies ever 80s harder than this movie's 80s <laughs> splain everything about this movie just screams 80s from director choices explosion action and i'm not saying it doesn't work it works but this movie is just like when i think 80s action this is the movie this one this is the one i'm pointing to it's weird because when it comes to 80s action i would never think of this movie i absolutely wouldn't think of it um when it comes to 
apocalyptic movies, this is almost the only one I would think of. Yeah. Because it's like the OG of what post-apocalyptic world would look like, a.k.a. Australia probably a couple weeks from now. <laughs> now, it's, it is such, when you're watching this, obviously having seen Fury Road, and we talked about that previously, seeing that movie and then going back to this, which is the peak of the original three. The first one's great. This one's the best. Thunderdome is great except for the kids. It's it's such a great car chase movie. And to have the final seems like 45 minutes of it be one extended car chase. And it's essentially the same car chase that he pulls in Fury Road with Furiosa the first time when she's pulling the rig, the uh, the water rig um, out of out of the town and, and they're going on that first drive. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the same chase. But to end your movie with this and to know it's all practical effects, especially in 1981, you know, and it's it's so captivating. You're looking at this, you're going, Holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> this is just oh, fucking amazing. <laughs> this is probably, it, it is the best movie of the week. I think we could probably agree on that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of, like, I of the movies we're recommending from Keanu that we haven't already talked about, it's in my top five. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, even though this is somehow the fifth movie that he recommended and involves a rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, Keanu. What are, what are we doing here, buddy? <laughs> I know the I know those the rape scenes aren't the movies. There's a lot more going on, but it's weird that there's a theme. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, no, like just I don't know. Everything about the practical effects in this movie just screams the 80s at me. Like well, every time I see an explosion, it's like the movie's yelling at me, this was made in the 80s. Well, the only way it can maybe be more 80s is if they do like a shredding like hair metal guitar soundtrack or something or oh what is more 80s than the bad guys dressing in leather with the main piece of their bottoms being a leather thong (laughs) well yeah but it's also like that whole thing is completely necessary because it's not necessarily 80s it's just post-apocalypse like this is the first one to do it this is the first ones to do it and i again i hear where you're coming from but what who decided leather thongs? Like, who decided on that? George Miller did. <laughs> what can George okay, Miller did? <laughs> follow-up question. George Miller, what the fuck? What, what kind Australian. of BDSM are you into, George Miller? <laughs> well, he's Australian, isn't he? I mean, it's a fucking different world down there, man. <laughs> I lived there for six months. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking different You should know. It's a fucking different world. You had your own leather thong, didn't you? <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> hey. Say so what is this? This is Mike's bitterness of having to wear a leather thong for six months in Australia. <laughs> it's it's this all is coming my out. defense from still weather wearing a leather thong to this day. <laughs> right, it's coming out. It's all coming out. But uh, listen, I'm, I, I embrace my inner Batman. You know, the leather and the rubber really seal in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the cod piece and all that. But uh, the foam rubber. But yeah, it's. This movie, it's it's just so, and it's it's so funny too because we also get Mel Gibson's or like Australian accent in this, which yeah. which at one point was the way he talked, but even though he was born in New York, I think, <laughs> but yeah. it's it, it's just so funny because we also get 
I think for the most part, Mel's original face, it's his original face is in the first two Mad Maxes. I yeah. think somewhere around Lethal Weapon, he had something done that made him Mel Gibson, you know, like, like sexy heartthrob Mel Gibson, you know, but it's, yeah, he's from Peekskill, New York. And it's there. I, I can't, I can't even point my finger on what I want to say first, because it's like Fury Road. You just in general, start off by saying it's just awesome. You know, it's just a great oh, yeah. movie. And Vernon Wells, for one, as Wes, is so good. It's scary. Like, if anybody doesn't know Vernon Wells, you may know him from Commando. <laughs> he is in Commando, and he is the, um, he's Arnie's big bad guy in that. He's, um, I believe it's Bennett, I believe is the character's name. But um, he is, it's, and it's so great because he is, he's gay, but they never say it. They just allude to it. And all he's really seen is with his boyfriend. And then when his boyfriend dies, that sets him over the edge even more. And it's like, perfect. It's a 1981, apparently, according to Mike, the most 80s action movie ever. And in, in any of those other 80s action movies, we don't have a gay character. We do not have a gay character going out for revenge for a dead boyfriend. It isn't happening. <laughs> you know? So credit to well, George Miller. Let's talk about the fact that you got a dead boyfriend from a fucking boomerang. Thrown by a feral child. <laughs> and uh, someone else throws it and tries to catch the boomerang and gets their fingers chopped off. Because he didn't have the special power glove that the little kid has. You know? A little chainmail power glove. But, yeah, no, but like this guy gets scalped by a metal boomerang. Yep. It's, oh God, it's so good. Now, and, uh, like, we're the humongous or the humongous. Lord humongous. But uh, yeah, and there's there's two scenes uh there was two parts of this in particular that had me thinking of obviously of other cartoons we've mentioned several times of course rick lord humongous so well there's rick and oh yeah of course well three then there's rick and morty of course the rick mancing the stone episode that whole thing is basically thunderdome Which and Road i Road. will say up until season four that was my least favorite episode of rick and morty I thought it's that such was a good cool. episode, though. I just love, I just love Morty being in the Thunderdome with the giant sentient arm and kicking everyone's ass. And then he's like, "This isn't over, is it?" And the arm's just like shaking its hand at him. <laughs> That's the best part of the episode. But at the same time, I'm like, that episode overall was super on. So like, that put it. That episode came after a huge hiatus at the end of season two. We get the first episode of season three, which is fucking awesome. And then we get at that episode, and I'm like, this was. This was a letdown, like a big letdown. The only episode I might dislike more, I don't think it's a worse episode, is the episode immediately after Pickle Rick. <laughs> pickle Rick is, I don't I don't enjoy the fact that everyone was like, this is so cool, he's yeah. a pickle. I just like the complete insanity of the story after that. When it becomes yeah. like him versus Danny Trejo. You know, yes. <laughs> I like that part. I don't, it, the gag of him being a pickle I don't care about the uh, fact that they make no, it. This so crazy. I hated the I'm pickle Rick people. And then memes almost came full circle with how overrated the episode was where it's like the almost 
ironic names where it's like, but do you do you, do you not get it? He's he turned himself into a pickle. It's so fucking funny, dude. You just gotta watch it again. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I can watch it a million times and I've seen it a ton of times. And it's like, yeah, that's not the joke I'm laughing at, though. You know, yeah. I'm laughing at the fact that there is a mythology behind La Solenia. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what I'm laughing at. <laughs> and Jaguar and all that shit. That's what Which, I'm granted, laughing at. Granted, I'm saying it's the worst episode up until season three, which there were not many bad episodes up until the end of season three. Season four and season five, you had a couple bad episodes that are worse than Rick Mancing the Stone, but... <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, there's also a couple, you know, there's a couple, like, the first season, for some reason, I hate the dog one. Like, it's like, it's like Lawnmower Dog or whatever it is. I don't hate that, because that's where you get Scary Terry. Well, that part's great. It's the rest that I don't like. For some reason, I just don't like it. And Scary Terry's fine, but then there's... Raising um, the Zorbasorb's not that, great. I'm not a fan of that one either. And it's because it's all like Morty's 15-year-old kid that will fuck anything jokes. You know, it's like, all right, and when he comes downstairs... way worse in season five where he fucked the horse sperm right, thing and yeah. you literally got giant sperm monsters. And the giant floating uh, incest baby and all that. Yeah, yeah that's... It's, it's, it's one, it's a decision. It's a definite creative decision. And to bring it back like that, it's like, well, at least you had to go, the balls to like finish off the story. You didn't just do it once and you came yeah. to finish it off. But no, what I was thinking of when watching this movie, it's two things. It's the line in the Simpsons what, from the Australia episode, was you're throwing sticks, stun his boomeranged on us. <laughs> that one. And then there's, of course, South Park when they do the, the Lord humongous thing. It's like, yeah. we go in, we kill. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracks me up every day. You can't, you can't not think of that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this movie is really just fucking awesome. Like, there's so much that's awesome about it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it, it is. And the craziest part, like, there's little things even that are that are fine like and i i almost want to give mel gibson credit because other than being the horrible human being that he is when he's not on camera when he's just mel i gibson, want you to give me a blow job <laughs> right when he's just awful mel gibson fuck that guy but on camera you cannot deny the fact that the man is charismatic as fuck and he's just amazing to watch well that's that brings us back to another south park line the man might be batshit crazy but he down damn it he knows story structure exactly right <laughs> now he also knows comedy like he can be very funny or have a good have good one-liners good comedic timing so when he uses the feral kid as a crutch <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that had me laughing and i was like that's gotta be mel right there mel's gotta be like look george i got an idea i'm gonna use this kid as a crutch <laughs> and it's gonna be hilarious <laughs> we're gonna now, love it <laughs> i also want to say fuck leather bound fuck face who shoots the dog fuck that guy well yeah i mean of course when you introduce the best friend as a dog you gotta you gotta kill that dog at some point check off dog <laughs> like that dog has to die at some point but Bound fuck face. That's the entire movie is outside of Mel Gibson. It's oh, there's fuck face without a face, the humongous <laughs> fuck face with a mohawk. <laughs> yeah, I mean leather bound fuck face who shoots a dog. <laughs> fuck face flying a weird ass helicopter thing. Hey, it's hey, just all uh, uh, the gyro captain is no fuck face, my friend. The gyro captain is awesome. <laughs> 
the entire i'm not using all the only one i'm using fuckface insultingly at is the one who shoots the dog everyone else in this movie is a loving it's a term of endearment <laughs> it's a term of endearment <laughs> hey fuckface <laughs> why don't you moon us earlier eh? <laughs> but uh yeah like the gyro captain bruce spence is great like he's just great as a gyro captain and of course he somehow comes back in the road warrior in a thunderdome but again Tina Turner in that movie. The Thunderdome parts are great. Fuck all the kid shit. No, we don't need it. But this, with this, the fact that this whole movie, the narrator, for one, the narrator, who turns out to be the feral kid, who is no longer feral, apparently, in the future. The fact that the narration sounds like Tom Hardy's Mad Max is kind of weird. I was like, that, what do you Hardy? think of the what do you think of the theories that Tom Hardy's Mad Max just took on the name and was the feral kid? Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because he doesn't say much. He's a very chatty narrator in this, but he yeah. doesn't say much in and he kind of almost goes back to sort of being feral in that movie in the beginning of that movie because he is nothing but just like id. He's just trying to get the fuck out, you know, and he's mm-hmm. he's just all reptile brain that's all it is but yeah it's it's i i i'd be inclined to say that yes that's probably i will give way to it but just for the simple fact that the he's really he's a nobody actor um that does the narration really does sound like tom hardy's mad max so and tom Hardy, being the prepared actor he is probably watched this and was like hey i like the way that voice sounds and i'm I can't play myself in a movie, so I have to use a funny voice. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll use this. <laughs> but yeah, this this movie is it's it's so good in the sense that George Miller is great at giving you what's in his head. There is nothing about this movie that feels like anybody else came in and said, "Hey, we got to do this." This was all George Miller being like, "You know what? I'm putting my shit on screen. This is my head. This is what we're doing." This is the Australia I know. I'm going to put it on film. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but where are the giant insects? Why isn't the whole movie upside down? <laughs> what? <laughs> no one says cunt once. <laughs> I feel like these are a lot of inside uh, Australia jokes. <laughs> you have to it's be... Australia meme jokes where everyone believes that Australia is just an upside down continent. Well, it is. That has giant insects, and everyone says cunt. Yeah, I mean, it's just filled with spiders and cassowaries. They're all trying to kill you, right? Yeah. Well, none of that is present to make this truly an authentic Australian experience. The one thing I love about Australia, I mean, I've never been there, but the one thing I do love is the fact that they call arugula rocket. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we should be calling this shit. Fuck arugula rocket. <laughs> that's what I want to call. Except it. that's way too cool of a name for a very underappealing vegetable. Right. Yeah. For a flavorless plant. <laughs> like but, you are the third or fourth best edible leaf, if that. <laughs> edible. Fuck you, arugula. This is an anti-arugula podcast. <laughs> you can't even smoke it. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I am pro cannibal. Mike is anti arugula. We got a real wide variety of people. Wait, wait. So just so being pro cannibal and being anti arugula are totally like you can be pro cannibal and anti arugula, and you can be anti arugula and pro cannibal, but Mm. neither is it's not mutually exclusive. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. 
I could have said uh, that much quicker, but I had to go into a long explanation about it. (laughs) Well, they do. They do cross over. I feel like some cannibals are like, you know what made me go cannibal? Had too much arugula. So I had to start eating people again. (laughs) I just had to try it. Now, to see what a, a, a human burger with arugula on it would taste like. A little fried egg, that'd be great. <laughs> but, um, so, Mike, do we that agree with Keanu? Spinach. <laughs> yes, do we agree with Keanu on this one? 100%. Yeah. You are not a movie fan if you have not watched Rogue Warrior. It's, it's, it's really a movie you need to see. And um, it's, it's one thing to not, it's weird because a lot of people haven't seen the original Mad Max. They've only seen, they almost start with the Road Warrior. And this is now I do recommend the original Mad Max, oh, but it's highly. almost a Terminator situation where like, you know, you don't actually have to watch Terminator one to enjoy Terminator two. No, but they are. And they're, they, it's the same. Like you said, I'm glad you use that analogy because it's the same thing. They're very different tonally as well. Yeah. And like Terminator one is very much a horror movie. Terminator two is very much a sci-fi movie yeah. and an action thriller. Whereas Mad Max one is essentially just a revenge movie and it's, it's a biker gang man on revenge, like movie and all that. This is very much post-apocalyptic. We are starting a genre movie kind of thing. And it's, it's so, it's so good. It's just really so good. And to have a, again, almost wordless Mad Max, uh, Mel Gibson performance, it just goes to show that when he's not being a racist, sexist, prick, drunken asshole, like in the real world, Mel Gibson could act at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and he could carry a movie. And he you was... may be batshit crazy, but the man knows story structure. Exactly. You know, it's so definitely agree with Keanu on that one. So I would say that looking back at it, we're flat out no on Raising Arizona. Fuck yeah. you, dude. You, you, sir, Sir Reeves. You pick the wrong movie there, but everything else, I think we've, we pretty much been like, yeah, that's, that's a good choice. The only other one is the bad batch is the other one where I'm like, you recommended this movie because you wanted people to hear about you getting indoor plumbing. Didn't you? <laughs> right. You, you, you can't enter the dream until the dream enters you. You wanted to get, have people hear that line. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> but Oh, and also we didn't even notice that. Um, I think it's I think it's raising Arizona. There's a uh, Doctor Strange love reference on the bathroom walls. It's the P O E or the O P E or whatever, which is uh, the personal something essence or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's that's what the uh, Doctor Strange love quote is. Our precious bodily fluids. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Dimitri. so Dimitri, Dimitri, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's. Keanu had some good ones. He had some great, and of course, the ones we didn't talk about are probably the best ones, in yeah. my opinion, that we didn't talk about, which yeah, is Basky, Python, um, uh, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frank. So, the Blazing Saddles, my favorite movie of all time. So, I would have loved to talk about it again, but now, my done. biggest <laughs> surprise of it is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That was my biggest surprise movie I never saw, and I freaking loved it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And for me, it was probably more of like Rollerball. Uh, I was kind of like, well, I didn't think this movie would be this, you know, it's, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it would be what it was, you know, I, I thought it would be more of a dumbass rollerball movie, but it's not, it's kind of a, a big social commentary on fame and corporations and sports and the tying up of the two. And it's uh, really good. Of course, really didn't see uh, neon demon coming. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> didn't see some of that shit coming, but yeah. I guess if you're going to recommend a Keanu Reeves movie and you want to get a reaction that next day on set from Carrie Ellen Moss is like, Keanu, what the fuck? <laughs> we just watched Neon Demon last night. You psychopath. What the hell? We just watched a woman have a five-minute lesbian scene with a corpse. <laughs> right. Is it really a lesbian scene if it's a corpse rape? <laughs> if it's necrophilia? Oh, well, lesbian necrophilia because she was imagining a girl. Yeah, true. <laughs> but, yeah, well, oh, yeah. I guess that's a debate for a different time. <laughs> Because there's a lot it's of necrophilia. <laughs> a lot of ins and outs. No, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, until we have that discussion, Mike, where can people find us on the internet? <laughs> you can find us for your streaming pleasure. After this, I don't know if you want to stream us anymore. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Thanks to Anchor, we're on a bunch of different sites. Um, you can find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow. You want to talk to Ross? Go to Facebook. Talk to me. Go to Instagram. Um, we love to hear from y'all. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, all right, so that ends Keanu Recommends Month. Now, next month, our next theme, it's going to be a fun one, especially because it's a celebration of some great movies and also a celebration of me because (laughs) I turned 40 next month. And it turns out I'm an old man, of course. Yes. And so I turned 40 next month. So we, Mike and I decided maybe we should do some movies that also turned 40 in the, in the year 2022. So we got some great ones coming up, especially I, uh, God, I kind of hate that we're saving it till the end, but it's the only movie we should save till the end. I just need to see Mike's reaction, hear Mike's reaction to the movie cat people. It's, oh God, it's phenomenal. And not in a way it should be phenomenal, but that's all I'll say. So that's going to be the final week of February. But next week, we're going to be talking about, um, if you want to do your homework, we're going to be talking about the Dark Crystal. Then we're talking about the best little whorehouse in Texas. And then we're also going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan! Khan! But there's also, there's a bunch. I'm looking at the schedule now. There's, There's some great ones. We're going to be talking about another Nick Cage performance, a small one. A little tiny Nick Cage, but he's in it. We're going to be talking about uh, some Eddie Murphy. We're going to talk about some Steven Spielberg. Um, allegedly, we're going to say probably definitely Steven Spielberg, but also another director we've also talked about gets the credit. Um, we're talking about Stallone. Talking about my man Arnie. We're talking about some Jeff Bridges. We're talking about some Kurt Russell. We're talking about some... Uh, of uh, uh, the original of a movie we've already talked about. We talked about it recently. And uh, then, of course, we're talking about Cat People. <laughs> Which, oh, God. I might watch it four times. I might watch it once a week going up. <laughs> Just so. It's, it's very fresh in my head. You know, I, I think I need to keep it for the last. Like, I can't <laughs> jump the shark on it. I need to save that. <laughs> save that excitement for the last week. A great one. God, it's you so mean good. I wasn't supposed to watch Cats the movie? <laughs> no, no, but probably glad you did. <laughs> so until next week when we start talking about some movies that turn 40, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.